Hello. Hey, here we go again. This is Saturday and we are recording the next episode of Bi-Weekly Cast and the host is still the same. It's you. I'm Slava Rudnitsky and you are... And I'm Dima Malenko. And today we are going to talk about book because this is a book club episode. And I believe that's one of my favorites this year. But by February 3rd? Yeah. I've read 12 different books. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's pause on, on that. Like, it's February 3rd. That's roughly 34 days that elapsed this year. How many books have you read again? 47? 12. What? 12. 12. 12. 10 plus 2. So that's like roughly three days per book. Most of them were in two days and then there were breaks. Right. We, we, we want to talk talk about that, uh, how and, and and why and what were the benefits, but maybe maybe we can we can get to that through this this uh, this episode, right? Hopefully not. But before we get to the book that we are going to discuss today, it's Hyper Focus by Chris Bailey. There is a follow up. Yeah, like in in the last episode, you coined the term that stuck to me for a long time, <laughs> and I imagine it will uh, it will be with me for a long time. The digital travel time. I kind of through through this week, which was very kind of busy, sort of in a, in a good sense, with a lot of collaboration with different different people, and therefore uh, lots of meetings. Yeah, I would have appreciated uh, having digital travel time attached to to many of them to kind of to be able to to switch the context and the shift mental gears. And I'm I'm thinking how how can I do that with uh, my calendar? Like allow myself a little bit of a digital travel time. Maybe we can uh, talk about if it works or if it doesn't sometime later. But thanks, thanks for this idea. I kind of missed this point uh, at one of my events. I scheduled digital travel time before the event, but didn't schedule after. And now, right after a dance class, I'm supposed to go on a business call. Like mm. the very next minute, it ends. So, so you you will, you can open the meeting. Like, shall we dance? <laughs> I, hopefully not. <laughs> so, back to business or back to books. Right, the hyperfocus. I think it was I who brought this book to to our attention, and as as always, like origin story of that is kind of murky. I think I was in a situation when there was some sort of sale or something like that. Like I had a particular <laughs> desire to buy a book on Audible, and I think uh, this hyperfocus book was one of the. Like, either top suggested or like somehow it, it caught my attention and I decided to, to, to give it a go even though I think I initially was reluctant about the, the book saying like yeah, yet another productivity book but it may be like let's, let's try and I really appreciate that you tried because I think it was one of the best reads and it was very, let's say, correspondent to my theme mm -hmm. about winter focus. And I think that many of the 
ideas that I got from Chris, even not his tips, but you know, when he suggested something and I disagreed mm -hmm. and I tried something by myself, was still valuable. So just to give it a digital uh, impact, my screen time decreased from three and a half hours on telephone, uh, on smartphone in December to 35 minutes on average in January. Well, that's impressive. Mostly because of this book, but uh, let's discuss the helicopter view or the overview of the book for people who haven't read it or haven't listened to it. Right. Uh, I think the, the book is roughly structured into bigger parts, right? And and <laughs> given the fact that I'm I'm listening to audiobooks, it is difficult for me to visualize structures of the book sometimes. But I think it it is uh, split into two major parts, like part one and part two. One is talking about the hyper focus, the state or uh, kind of state or mode of operation where one particular single tasks task occupies all of all of attention and then he talks about scatter focus where this is a kind of opposite of hyper focus right when you try to scatter your attention to find patterns and connect the dots which might not be kind of visible or obvious in other modes you basically let your mind go and uh, you might be still thinking about something but not intentionally or trying to focus on it but rather just keeping it on the background mm -hmm. you might be reading a book about marketing while thinking about an idea that you have to do and that was actually one of my 12 books actually nine of my 12 books were about marketing and i was thinking about bizdev team uh, in sebi and while reading those books i was thinking what i can do about it in my team Um, is it, and, and and he he also gives a whole whole bunch of different tips or tactical suggestions about how to like what does it mean to hyper focus how to hopefully enter this this mode of operation and what are the pitfalls and how how to guard against them something like that. So let's say that if I just don't look at notes or my thoughts or something, I can. The first thing that comes to my mind when I remember uh, about this book is that Chris, just like us, likes classifications and definitions. And uh, that was nice to start with, coining the terms, explaining what they mean, giving some sort of gradations. And that was about the tasks, types of work, mm -hmm. when he described that there is necessary work, purposeful work, and uh, th there was a grid of four that looked a lot like the Eisenhower's metrics, mm -hmm. but I think it made a bit more sense to me than Eisenhower. And it's used in different contexts, so we don't even have to compare them. And then a micro tip about the phone that actually changed my perception of this gadget. That basically it's a mini computer that you need when you get out of the apartment, mostly. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to carry it with you all the time. So that was the habit I changed. Like, I don't carry it on the pocket anymore. Mm. It's uh, sitting on the desk and charging most of the time. Unless I'm traveling somewhere and I'm using it as a navigator or podcast or something along those lines. But even in that uh, case, I use these focus modes that still minimize the number of distractions and notifications I get. 
And these two things were like really interesting. So the classification of tasks and distractions and the approach to reconsider your phone use. Interesting. Yeah, I also appreciated that the kind of structure of of how Chris kind of laid out ideas because I, I think it kind of fits the like Minto um, pyramid, right? When when he first introduces the the, the big idea, the, the cornerstone of the soul and then provides more details and more ideas or tips to to support that. I think that that, that was appealing to me and made made it this book easier to well at least some some parts of it um easier to 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 understand and and read it's interesting that suggestions that that he provided um i'm not sure about you but for me it was a bit of a mixed bag some of them like really resonated but some of them were like "Mm, yes maybe but i felt like the the suggestion like he has a lot of focus he had has a lot of focus on email throughout the book as email is a distraction mm-hmm. and i think um no <laughs> well at, at least at least for me and i i would think that for a lot of a lot of other people in occupation like mine email would probably not be the main source of distraction it would be like chat or interruptions from from co-workers and i found it a bit uh, un- unfortunate that chris talked about this part but completely uh, omitted that that other part which i think has may have somewhat different dynamics and may appreciate from some um, additional um, intentional thinking about that that aspect i can think of only of one excuse that the book was initially published in 2016 which was probably meant that it was written seven years ago, seven-ish years ago, and the dynamics could be slightly different there. Mm -hmm. Plus, Chris was mostly writing from his background, and he's a freelancer, so I believe that that might be his main inbox and the way he gets information from the world. Right, right. And then it may be that that he doesn't really have co-workers or teammates to to work together, which can also be a source of welcome or unwelcome distractions. But I think that most of the tips he mentioned there are kind of workable with chats. You might mute, you can set the notifications mm-hmm. in different ways, and uh, it's just different tool set, but the, the principle that he explains can, can be managed, that you spare some time for this mm-hmm. communication, that you highlight the important channels only and mute everything else. Mm-hmm. But it, it was kind of obvious and uh, this part was not really engaging for me so i noticed that in your notes you wanted to compare it with deep work i i thought that that we might i know i i don't see the connection Hmm. pretty much at all so could you tell me why you think so isn't uh wouldn't the connection be that both books uh are about kind of being, being productive so that that connects them um and uh, increasing and pretty much any other personal productivity right there. yes yes so, so that that, that bring, brings them into the same ballpark but also the the idea i think the, in, in deep work the cal newport the author of that, of that book also pays a lot of attention to to distraction and managing distraction which is which to me doesn't sound too dissimilar to to the idea of hyperfocus. 
you know, I think they're totally opposite here. Mm -hmm. And not because of the idea of hyper-focus and deep work, but because uh, Cal Newport was such an advocate of deep work that he, the connotation of shallow work that he gives in his book is pretty much negative. Like whenever you do shallow work, you basically waste your productivity or diminish your ability to focus, etc. While Chris Bailey in Hyperfocus says that scatter focus is actually useful and you need it and you have to intentionally choose when you go there and you have to spend a reasonable amount of time there. You can't hyperfocus all the time. And that seems much more realistic to me Mm -hmm. uh, because deep work is like a fantasy or the advocacy of one state of mind Mm -hmm. that you can't stay in forever. But uh, while reading Kel's book, uh, it seemed like the longer you can stay there, the more productive you are, which is not really like corresponding to my experience. Mm. Interesting. Well, because I I kind of... Share, <laughs> um, share share this this sentiment. Even though it, it seems to me that from the outsider's view, book may seem related or maybe even be about the same same topic. I think that they are different, and the way I see them different um, would be would be what what I will try to describe now. But before that, I think uh, I, I'd rather take a bit of a step back and we talk about the key key thing that kind of I think I got from from this book like the the, the key idea which I, I liked very very much and that that idea was uh, the idea of kind of fixed attention span uh, that not, not span like attention space he, he um chris calls it attention space so he he, he says he, he poses the idea that we have this fixed amount or fixed size attention space and it 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 remain it remains unchanged unchanged regardless of what we are doing it is the it, it is how we use that that space that defines whether we are productive or not productive and what what are the types of activities that uh, we can successfully accomplish with particular set of or configuration of how we use this attention space i think to, to me uh, that that was similar to to, to the idea and th- those of you who, who studied physics and you d- you did st- study physics right as as well like to to, to the idea of energy right uh, like when when we start first learning physics we like you know speed like forces and stuff like that and sometimes it mm-hmm. makes very tricky to solve particular like physical problems when with with, with those um with those notions but then as as soon as you learn about the energy and the law of preservation of energy it makes a lot of things a lot simpler and and more straightforward and that idea of attentional space uh, played the same role for me here like oh this is this is the energy that this is the amount that remains un- unchanged from situation to situation and let's see how it changes its configuration with the, with the, with relation to 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 that stuff and that i guess brings me to to how i think this book is different from deep work because as and and i think i i've heard that in in what you were saying that what cal describes is mostly kind of extrinsic it it focuses on the extrinsic part of stuff like you want to block uh distractions you like and and stuff like like the the external kind of external factors or descriptions of of how you work whereas this book with this and idea of attentional space i think it starts with 
inner situations and inner concern uh, concerns and then translates them into like behaviors and things that would be seen from from outside i would also add to this that probably chris bailey made more uh, let's say uh, did a better research i think that the number of things that he referred to Hmm. Uh, was not a personal methodology that someone can use for oneself, but more like highlights. I, I can give an example of his vision of multitasking. Right. Like he was not just explaining how he believes multitasking works, but it was this idea of attention space and that you can fit there just that many tasks mm -hmm. and some of them are habitual, some of them are routine, some of them are intention heavy and attention heavy and you can combine many of those and if you switch and like this is not chris's idea there mm -hmm. um, while reading uh cole newport's deep work i remember that it was mostly understanding like the way he manages his work and the way he believes things work there was not much uh, reference to any science or research or anything outside of deep work i, I may be wrong it, it was quite a while ago when i read deep work so, not 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 sure about that. I think I think um, I have similar remembrances about the deep work that is. It was heavily on kind of reporting personal experiences, which is not bad, right? We were not saying it's it, it's bad by any stretch of imagination, but that I guess that that also makes this a book a bit different, although. Chris quite often made made references to how he used these methods to to writing this this very book, uh, which were interesting, I guess. But here uh, about the his references to research and that kind of stuff, I think for for me it played a bit of a like two, two conflicting conflicting roles. On on one hand, yeah, it, it was good to know that at least. Some of this is somehow somewhat supported by by quote unquote research, but sometimes I felt that yeah maybe it's too, too much of a stretch to say that this idea is supported by this research or the research is kind of conclusive or suggestive when it says that the things that I believe to be I, I don't remember specific examples, but something like the productivity or uh, something like that increased by nineteen percent. Yes, maybe, but like my own productivity without those methods from day to day can change by more than nineteen percent. Like, like how 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 meaningful are uh, are those numbers? And I felt that at times maybe uh, leaning on them too much as a kind of a primary point uh, primary points to support his ideas. Let me put it this way. Uh, the phrase and the word and the explanation and the examples may be poor at different levels, but if I were to write a book, mm -hmm. I would probably pick the same way. Like mm -hmm. I would dig into ResearchGate and find scientific papers mm -hmm. about the topic. I would map them out, so I would have lots of data points, and then I would arrange them somehow. That's what Chris basically did with this hyper-focus and deep-focus sections mm -hmm. uh, in the book. And then I would think uh, where I can share my experiences, where I can share some tips from researchers, where I can share some stories to make it diverse. I agree that it might be not always 
the optimal balance of personal experience, conclusions that people run, or just um, the the way he makes references, not very scientific. He says like, well, there was a research that showed that meditation helps. Like, cool, <laughs> how was this research run? But then it turns into a scientific paper. So what would be enough for me? By the way, it's not actually a point in the ebook. There are no links to the research and names and mm -hmm. references, unfortunately. And uh, you, you can't really check that out. But still, it makes an impression of something well thought. And I can see that there were some sections which were really thought provoking. Uh, for example, a question that uh, Chris asked himself and then the readers, when was your last super productive day? Uh, it made me think, actually, for quite a while. So, Dima, when was your last super productive day? I, I, I would struggle to pinpoint the precisely day, but I'm really convinced that it was within last three weeks for sure could you describe it i think um that probably was was a day when i was working on one of the uh, proposals for for a project or for for for, for a big bigger initiative where i like entered sort of a hyper focus mode and i i focus on this particular document or and, and and nailing one particular idea or message i wanted to 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 deliver with that and and so well do you spent most of your day working on it or at, at, that that was what what i wanted to to, to go into next when, when i say that it, it probably it not not probably definitely it was not the whole day maybe it was were like three to four hours i think but I would call it a super productive day. I don't know. Maybe, maybe your uh, your mileage would be would be would be different. But I would call this as a, a super productive day. But this was not a whole whole day. But this one jam of productivity, I think, made it for me on that one. And what what about you? That's what I've noticed about you after all these years of recording, that you actually enjoy when you manage to hyper-focus. Like, um, and I believe that was one of the reasons why you actually enjoyed uh, engineer, solving engineering problems at some points. Back in roll-up times, yeah, when you would dig into some technical details or solutions or something, even knowing that you have a lot of managerial tasks to do, but coding and solving some issues was a way to hyper-focus and managers are, it's much harder for a manager mm -hmm. to find this time, to find the problem and to be able to focus, especially considering the amount of communication that happens around. Right. Well, I, I guess, yeah, that, that, that rings the bell for me. I, I think what makes, where, where, let's put it this way, where, where I could do better with this like hyper-focusing kind of thing is I noticed that there are certain types of problems or questions that are more likely to, to trigger this hyper-focus kind of mode of, of operation for me. And and when it triggers, I, I, I do enjoy the process. However, and I think Chris also alluded to this, that his his book is also about being intentional about hyper focus and like training an ability to enter hyper focus when you need it for the task you have at hand and this is i'm not definitely not 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 there yet if if i would know that something is important 
and but it's not from the category of tasks that easily get me going. I'll, I would struggle to to enter the hyper focus mode, and I guess some some of the suggestions from the book would be would be helpful. You know, that's uh, one of the things I enjoyed about hyper focus that there is it's not just a set of some practical tips and hacks how to arrange your day, but there is some philosophy behind mm-hmm. it. The idea of purposeful work uh, basically triggers the necessity of setting priorities you would have to understand what really matters. And this is what day-to-day managers don't often think about. Like, they probably should, but the way I see it, that that doesn't happen very much. There are some settled priorities or something that was discussed six months ago, and we keep digging in that direction without reconsidering or thinking what is actually important for me. And then when things change, when the status quo changes, and there is no mechanism how to reevaluate or reset what what actually matters and some work that was meaningful 2 months ago stops being meaningful but you do it because it's in your calendar and your productivity and KPIs and stuff are kind of linked to the results of this work but not of something that actually matters now but was not formally recognized yet and you focus on work that becomes necessary. And it's the same work that was purposeful two months ago. So these things may change very, very much. And the other, I think, very important point was uh, the example about the intentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his book, Chris describes the way that we quite often make very vague wording on intentions. Mm-hmm. Like, I would like to eat better, mm-hmm. or sleep more, how much more. And I, I believe that when you shape an intention, it, it becomes more meaningful when you know what it means. Not just do sports, but uh, in your case, what was that uh, workout application? Uh, Seven-minute seven workout? Seven-minute workout. Yeah. Like, uh, instead of saying, like, I would like to work out, I would like to use this app with a 15-minute session. Mm-hmm at least three times a week. Mm. And I think it works much better in terms of task setting and then checking the results and then seeing the progress and tracking everything and making meaning of it afterwards. Yep, I I agree. I think I I would want to dive maybe like on two points in what we just discussed and and then obviously ask you about your most productive day in in recent times i think uh, yeah that that idea about being specific with your intentions i think is is very powerful but also i would think that it's rather common for in in time management literature right i think in also in gtd it was also about that like be specific about the next step that 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 you're going to to take and indeed it helps to to be like when when you want to, I don't know, do a dental checkup, like first, like figure like figure out where you would want to go. Like maybe you want also like check up your insurance conditions and stuff like that. Like being specific will get you much much further. And I also feel like this with with projects, it, it also works the same way. Being vague about the great grand idea and and bright future only gets you as far. Like. You you really start going when you start 
taking small but specific steps towards in 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 that in that direction and and there i think it is also important not just to I think I, I, I myself fallen for the for the trap where I would have this like do some like eat better like if if you take this as an example then I would put a very specific item like buy avocados and then it, it would be like buy avocados question mark question mark question mark profit eat better so like like working out the a bit more detail would would help like beyond the first step to to keep the momentum going i think that 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 would be helpful as well and one other thing and i would probably suggest this to be a broader discussion maybe in one of our episodes that 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 idea when it is time to switch gears or change horses when when we made a decision like some time ago how how do we know that it's time to to change or how we organize the process such that we do not kind of wobble too much by making a decision and then immediately afterwards question it and try to renegotiate or re-litigate already already made decision. And uh, on the other hand, avoid being stuck with things of the past which are no longer valid or relevant or or hold true. Let's hold this thought. Mm -hmm. I, I think our listeners might be confused according to one section here. When we speak about themes, we actually enjoy that they are vague and uh, there is nothing specific there. And now here we are talking that intentions should be very specific and clear. And I, I think we should bring some clarity. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's try. When we discuss the vectors, the ideas of self-development or some um, ideas about improvement, mm-hmm. this vagueness helps because you don't know what you would like to do better. Like uh, the year of health as a theme is pretty vague. But the action points, like the key results that you plan every day, should be specific. You don't know what they are in two months, but you know what they are in a week. Like you, the closer the time spent, the more specifics you can get. And there is no need to be very let's say demanding yeah, mm-hmm. or having high hopes or expectations that you will always meet all the intentions and you will always fulfill all your plans. That's not the purpose of uh, theme or not the purpose of planning itself. You might be wrong mm-hmm. and that's okay. The question is if you understand where it went wrong <laughs> and uh, let, let me give an example here. I'm having a year of health and I'm taking a week of uh, no sugar. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that sugar is a very important stress relieving factor for me. And something happens from the external factors and no um, missile attack <laughs> on the city. And I can break the uh, no sugar week and have a cake to diminish the amount of stress, not to get depressed, because curing the depression will be much more expensive and will take longer than. Uh, losing half a kilo or I'm not sure what the British equivalent of of this weight is. Mm -hmm. Four pounds. Well, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And reprioritizing on the fly can be uh, helpful and uh, actually gives you a lot of freedom here rather than having a plan and then failing the plan. I think one of the my favorite illustrators of these are the um, step trackers, mm-hmm. these bracelets that track how many steps you made. 
I was a big fan of uh, their tracking system when you set the goal and you fulfill the goal and then it says, yay. And then it gives you the streak of 10 days, 200 days, 400 days. And then I remember one day my tracker just got discharged. Like the battery went low and it didn't track it. And for the next day, I actually that day I fulfilled my goal as well. I, I walked enough, but it just was dead. It couldn't track it. So the next day I wake up, I fulfill my step and goal, and guess what? It says, well, you fulfilled your goal for one day. Before that, your streak was 435 days. And for the next two months, I was so frustrated with this technology <laughs> that I actually enjoyed walking. Like, I've been walking for a year and more, and it was fun. And this was the moment when probably I should give up this, like, very strict expectation that I should be keeping this streak mm -hmm. because the streak was still on just the technology was not letting me uh, do it but i remember my frustration about it i almost gave up walking because of this and that, that's where it gets a bit unhealthy i think and uh, i got really worried about my reaction to this situation yeah i i, I totally see that then <laughs> i think i had a similar situation where i uh, in my running uh, tracking app <laughs> when i I run several times a week and, and it counts in weeks, like the weeks you had runs. And then there was in December, there was one particular week when it snowed on the weekend and it was like almost freezing cold or mostly below zero for the entire week. So uh, the the snow and the melted snow and ice accumulated all over. And I, I thought that it would not be like really safe for me to, to run in these conditions because I didn't have any special gear or like uh, shoes for, for that kind of weather. Mm -hmm. So I didn't run for that week. <laughs> I, I lost my streak uh, there as well. And I also felt, oh yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a shame. But then I also thought like you thought, oh, maybe I should not just, just, don't pay attention to this. Like focus on what's what's here, here and now. And um, two 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 thoughts, two two points for me. First would be real time follow up. When you say losing half a kilo, and I say said in British things it would be four pounds. I think I, I was grossly mistaken. Like half a kilo would be around one pound. Uh, I I don't know. Like somehow it, I, I was thinking about two kilos. Two kilos would be four pounds. And <laughs> on on the themes, and I think. What make, make makes themes work as a wake thing is that th the way we I think the way we practice them and they, the the way they are intended to be practiced is that this wake theme comes with time to work out the wakeness right we we say that if you're working on the theme you kind of think about your day you reflect you plan the next steps and stuff like that so you you couple vagueness with the time to work out that vagueness for the particular particular situation and that what makes it makes it work uh, and in in some other situations with more specific tasks or 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 achievements we might not allow ourselves that time to work out vagueness and being specific would, would help to make progress and gain, gain some momentum I've actually noticed this in uh, in terms of intentions in goal setting in our team. I've just realized that some projects that are easy and clear, uh, whenever we do the strategic session, I can write uh, a key R, key result. Mm -hmm. I can make a checklist. I can set the deadlines. I can even estimate the budget and when it's going to end. For some bigger things, something that takes a year plus, mm -hmm. I can probably think of first three steps. 
And then I don't really know what's going to happen. I just know the final outcome that I would like to get. But I can't always tell you the, the way uh, I will get there, whether I'm going to expand the team, reskill my team, change the approach, outsource something. Like you don't really know before you dig into it. And sometimes you don't actually have to. But having these first steps is what helps you start moving. And that's what Chris was mentioning here, that uh, it's not about being a prophet and knowing what you're going to do for the next year or something, but it's just being more specific about the next steps. Mm -hmm. You know, the way you feel today, the weekend is ahead. So you could, uh, it seemed to be narrator, yeah, like the weekend is ahead and... You can decide what you would like to do intentionally. Like, would you like to have a cheat meal or you would like to eat healthy during the weekend because you feel energized and your will is as strong as it could ever be and you can definitely manage your habits and some desires and dark needs of sugar or something along those lines. Yeah, or or, or you can check check the weather and see that it's... For a change, it's not going to be raining and then super, super windy. And maybe you want to uh, enjoy a cup of coffee in a street cafe and then sit and chill out and stuff like that. But you need to be think about this and be intentional about how you uh, want to go about the, the weekend. So to sum up, when you think about longer perspective, having a vague vector is fine and having intention that is not super crystal clear is also fine as long as it energizes you. If you feel energy and passion about something, mm, art, work, productivity, relationship, health, sports, whatever, doesn't really matter. Uh, it could be even pretty vague. Like, v- what was the vaguest theme you've had? Oh, mm. Liberation. I remember there was yeah, one yeah, where you, could, yeah. you were figuring it out in the process yeah. so long Year that, like, for liberation, months, you I think really... maybe the, maybe that's the vaguest one. It's the the nice nicest sounding one, but the, the vaguest one. I think it was the year of liberation. In my case, it was the three year theme about boldness and being brave. That was something that I never really figured out, and I didn't have the final destination point. I just something has happened. I'm not sure why or how, and it was more like magic or shamanism rather than actual work. Makes sense. And I, I, th- I think that there is a concept which is which I think is super relevant to what we are discussing now. It comes from software project management. I, I I'm not sure how known or like accepted it is is in in other areas um, of of life uh, and it's called cone of uncertainty I, I think it stems from the from the you know, when you try to estimate like specifically estimate a project but i guess for estimate estimating something you need to have more or less precise plan right uh, the, the 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 idea of cone of uncertainty is that whatever happens very close to to the present moment you can figure out what that's going to be with with high certainty right you you would not you you it is much easier to to estimate what you can do in one week because you 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 would know like specific tasks at hand and how much time is available and so on and so forth you you can be very certain about what you can do in one week but then as as you start looking further out the certainty with which you can predict and therefore estimate and plan what's going to happen or what what can be done is going to 
go smaller and smaller and at some point the, your confidence would be just like almost zero and it would be no better than than a guess and i think it's it's very very helpful in planning as well you want to be very specific about the next steps like the next period of of planning but then saying that hey we are going to have a review for for this thing in half a year at 6:30 yeah maybe that's that's too specific for that far out i really enjoyed the video of cgp gray about the fog of the future mm-hmm. i think it was about the pandemic and i think it kind of described mm-hmm. a similar concept yep same 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 thing but cone of uncertainty comes with beautiful graphs so it, it you can say it's backed by research rather than by a random youtube video it's backed by design <laughs> so true so true all right so that brings us back to a topic when and what was your most super mega productive day you know when i thought about it i was really surprised that it was not a hyper focused day Hmm. it was a scatter focused day i had it about two weeks ago i guess it was tuesday and i had a call, a single call on my schedule and a few tasks in my to-do list, but they were not major tasks, not something like super deep or super important. I was mostly going through some chats and checking stuff and it was time to get my thoughts in order. And somehow I got the inspiration and energy to text one of our potential partners. Uh, It's a popular Ukrainian business school and offer them a collaboration. And they agreed to discuss it. So we had a call immediately after I texted, uh, discussed the concept and the details. They got interested, and I think it moved both my company and uh, the entire L&D community towards a very good result just because I got this inspiration and uh, a moment of bravery to text people I don't know. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's fascinating. Fascinating. You know, it's like uh, 1 p.m. I've done it and it feels like, okay, I deserve some time off now. So like, that, yeah, that, <laughs> I can just turn off my laptop and I'm fine today. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, the, the, there, there can be moments where you like something happens, like you do something and then you feel like, oh, like even if I don't work for the entire week, this would be a huge success already or something. Well, that's, that, that, that's, that's interesting. Let's, I have two, two, so one one would be question never mind like the scatter focus we we mostly were f- talking about hyper focus thus far Let, let's talk about uh, scatter scatter focus so i think we, we already offered the definition for for that right if you this is a a mode where you intentionally let your mind wander and like jump from idea to to idea from point to point to uh, hopefully find some interesting interesting uh, connections how how does that work for you do you like often enter the scatter focus mode like what what like did, did you know about this concept or idea before the book mm, i didn't know about this concept but i was using a synonym it was named the default thinking system hmm. the default thinking mode is when you let your mind go and see what it wants to think about. And uh, the best example is the massage session. Mm. Like I go for 90 minutes and I just have to wait and do nothing there. 
and I don't really think intentionally about something. Like I don't go like, oh, during the massage, I should think about X. And every week it's something new. <laughs> I, I think like yesterday, I was thinking about our Aspen reunion uh, with our group. Mm-hmm. And for about 90 minutes, I thought about different scenarios and ways and uh, ways to approach it. And it was not intentional. Like I was not pushing myself to think about it. I was just motivated to think about it. The, a few weeks before, uh, f- during the ninth minutes, I was thinking about some work-related issues. Sometime before that, it was personal. And it's always different. So basically, if you just sit, would it be on the chair or at or in or Let's say on. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it's both. Uh, both variants are possible. <laughs> and you don't occupy your mind with pretty much anything, mm. and check what your mind would like to think about, whether it's work-related or personal or just some inspiring ideas or something scary and something frustrating or some fears that you have. I think the concept here is very similar to free writing. Mm -hmm. Whenever you write these pages and you just let your mind write whatever it wants, there is no question, there is nothing to be answered. You just start writing whatever comes to your mind. And uh, this default thinking system and scatter focus seem pretty similar. The only difference I can feel here is that with scatter focus, you sometimes can give the context to this wondering. Like, uh, for example, I can read a marketing book without a specific request, but still it will probably inspire some thoughts about marketing, but I'm not sure which ones because I don't even have a clear problem that I want to solve. But I would like to think about it more. And that gives me the context and the ideas and some inspiration. Yeah, that that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And as as you said, that in in some contexts, I think... The, this idea of scatter focus that seemingly non-productive time can have a bit of stigma to it like you mentioned in in uh, deep work uh, cal calls it like shallow focus or maybe like in in other contexts people may call this like unintentional time you are not in control of your mind and you you're not directing it to to work on the thing that that that, that you want to to work and i think uh, when I was going through reading or listening to to the book, I found it a bit relieving that hey, well, yes, if if you call this 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 mode like some fancy word like scatter focus, it kind of um, legitimizes this this kind of activity because I previously I found myself and still to to, the, to this day I, I found myself. Uh, in situations where like I just cannot switch to something else like I know that I want to like start working on something else but I just cannot make myself do that and at that times I figured like the, there is no better way than going for a walk or doing some sort of mindless activity to to let the mind like calm down like spin out some of, some of the things maybe take take some additional notes that that come out of that and when that happened it makes me more inclined and more um, positioned for the next thing for for more more focused work. So I, I appreciated Chris's idea to introduce this term scatter focus because now now I can say like when I'm doing something like that, stop right there. This science backed scatter focus mode. So like leave me leave me alone. I, I'm being uh, productive productive here. 
you know, and I think it also works in terms of preparation for some creative work. Mm -hmm. I know that when I have to write a paper or an article or something complicated, if I spend a few hours before that just walking or not really being hyper-focusing on something, it gives me the preparation that I need. So by the moment I come to the laptop, I will probably know the first steps or at least the gist of what, what I would like to do. As an example, we were writing papers in... Um, during the CELTA certification at British Council, it's a teaching certificate, and we had to do some kind of studies there. Mm -hmm. And uh, the difference between me and my partner, Alexei Kavalenka, that he would wake up in the morning, have breakfast, open the laptop, and start writing, 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 writing. And then for the second half of the day, he would organize his thoughts, like mm -hmm. cut it, edit it, structure it somehow. And in the evening, he would have a really nice study, like six pages with some outcomes and stuff in my case i can never do that i cannot just do it on the fly i would wake up have breakfast and go to the lake and it looks nice but while walking to the lake i was considering the way to approach it what are the issues what would be the structure so by the time i uh, by the time i would come back during the lunch and after lunch i would already have the structure in my mind but it was the way i would think about it was very different from alexei's right i'm i'm, I'm very similar to you when i have to work on the like, documents and presentations i i just and until i get more or less a complete idea or narrative for this it's very difficult for me to s sit down and start writing and even if i force myself to start putting the structure and bits and pieces here it doesn't work work as well so that that yeah that this we, we are similar in that regard but as as you pointed out that the mileage may vary for for different people we are all built differently we we all operate differently and more effectively in different different modes and I think with the, with this like with this book and with other uh, things like productivity tips it it is really important to try stuff out and then adjust for your particular circumstances because some of the things may work, some of the things that didn't work for Chris, probably he would not mention things that didn't work for him, but there would be things that would work for you but would not work for someone someone else. And it's it's important for for all for each of us to find our, our own uh, way of um, going about this. And like if, if I may, like one more thing about scatter focus I I think I found a method of entering uh, that that scatter focus for me and w which works quite well I I found like even even before reading this book I found that I, when I'm doing um longer time physical activity like running or like when back back in Dnipro we used to go to um ice rink every Sunday my daughter would have a like figure skating training and I will just run circles around around the skating rings and I found that hey, I got a lot of well seemingly insightful ideas when I do that and even now nowadays I, I really enjoy uh, going for runs not only for like maintaining physical health and stuff but I also enjoy the process when I I would start with some sort of podcast or audiobook but very very often very soon after that i will start getting the ideas and stop paying attention to the book so i'll, I'll use this uh, as a, a kind of jump starter for the scatter focus and turn off and then continue running and get some some ideas that that were really helpful for me in 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 the long run so yeah. 
you know, I could never do that. And yeah. I'm, I've always been impressed by people like you. My friend Lena is one of the examples. Like she runs miles and miles and miles and comes with hundreds of thoughts and ideas. When I run, <laughs> I run. Like <laughs> there is not much. I even don't really listen to podcasts. Uh, I can listen only to music or something super light, super uh, like I, I don't know why, but it just doesn't work that way. For walks, it works <laughs> perfectly fine. For runs, I, I just can't. And the same, it doesn't work for driving. It doesn't work for riding a motorcycle. Like I can't schedule focus in this. I'm probably more present and or this process mm -hmm. takes up too much of my attention right. space. And I, I also found that it also kind of depends on the state of mind or my mood or something like that, because sometimes I, I'm, I'm very enthusiastic. Yeah, I'm going for a run. I'll start this audiobook, But sometimes I, I know like, yeah, I want to go for a run, but I cannot decide what, what I want to to listen to because I think all oh, listening to business, let's say podcast or book would be too heavy. I'm not like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not prepared for this right now. And yeah, it, it, it definitely works in, in different ways, but, but I get it. That's for, for some people that may not work this way. And I'm with you on, on driving. I, I cannot really multi-focus, multi-focus, <laughs> no, <laughs> multitask that much to have like very productive um, scatter focus type of a situation. Mm, I think we should probably add a disclaimer here that Chris Bailey wrote another book, hmm. and da 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 da, he got a panic attack during one of the public speaking events and the idea that a person who writes about productivity gets oneself into the burnout state and then uh, gets a panic attack is kind of scary yeah? because when you think like all right this guy is kind of the role model in terms of productivity mm -hmm. and he knows a lot about focus and he still got himself into the condition or state where he has to reconsider his attitude to work about working about emotions I think it's kind of disturbing, but as I'm, I'm in the middle of his last book right now, it's How to Calm Your Mind. I think it's also quite a good read. So maybe one of the future book clubs, maybe about it. We'll see. But I think that what we should keep in mind, that all these productivity advice, hyperfocus, is meant to make you happier about the way you live your life. And if... It's not what you need right now, but you actually dream about drawing or spending more time with your family or doing some other stuff. You can read this book with the perspective or the lens of this. Like, how can you be hyper focus on the relationship? How can you hyper focus on your friends or on your art or something else? It doesn't have to be work. And I think that's what Chris kind of forgot and got himself into this state. And that was a reminder for myself that. Uh, Productivity sounds fun. There is a lot of stuff happening around and a lot of people encouraging you to try. But you are in control and you are to choose. So that, that was a reminder for myself as well that the way I arrange my life is my responsibility. And most of these things should be helpful. If they're not, then just screw them and do what helps. Yep. 
certainly 100% on that. Like the productivity is a means to an end, not an end in itself. It it has to be working and it has to be helpful. If it isn't, then I guess all of us need to reconsider and look for something else or something something different. But some things are just routines, like recording bi-weekly, and the next episode is routinely going to be a guest episode, which we will not spoil today, but you'll see in a few weeks. Yep. Uh, stay in touch, keep up with the announcements uh, for who's going to be the mysterious guest in the next episode. And until then, have a good week. Yeah, good weeks. <laughs>